the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. This great nation will endure as it has endured. Let me assert my firm belief that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Freedom and the dignity of the individual have been more available and assured here than in any other place on earth. You are about to embark upon the great crusade toward which we have striven these many months. The eyes of the world are upon you. The hopes and prayers of liberty-loving people everywhere march with you. We're not, as some would have us believe, doomed to an inevitable decline. I do not believe in a fate that will fall on us no matter what we do. I do believe in a fate that will fall on us if we do nothing. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. From every mountainside, let freedom ring, and if America is to be a great nation, this must become true. So let freedom ring. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is Always Right Radio on AM 1420, The Answer. Here's your host, Bob France. Absolutely right. You know, we could have almost named the show that. Just dawned on me. When we moved from the authority to uh, to Always Right Radio, I just kind of thought that had the best sound to it, the best vibe. Double meaning intended, of course. We are always right, and we are always right. Absolutely right would have worked, too, though. Absolutely right with Bob France. What do you think? I don't know. Should we rename the show Johnny Hiles? It just hit me. Just now hit me because I usually say something along the lines as I greet everybody. Indeed, that's who we are. Welcome, blah, blah, blah. Instead of indeed today, I said absolutely right. I was about to say absolutely right. That's who we are. I like the sound of it for a show title. Absolutely right. It's kind of a mouthful, though, you know? Mm, Yeah. Always right does flow a little better. It's a little shorter. A couple of syllables less, I guess. But absolutely right. Always right radio. Absolutely. Hmm. I, might, I, I see a poll in the future. I see a poll. I see an on-air and online poll by way of social media, by way of 
whkradio.com or something like that. That's interesting. That's really interesting. Anyway, yeah, we are both of those things. We are always right radio, and we are absolutely right in both senses of that word. So that's that's what we're doing. Ten minutes after the hour of 9 o'clock on this Thursday, the 16th morning of the second month, year of our Lord, 2023, my last live show of the week. Uh, I should say my last live show, not the last live show. Tomorrow will be live, but with Peter Kersenow in the big chair hosting for me as uh, we take a little weekend trip, a uh, little uh, family uh, necessity. And uh, so Pete is going to take your calls tomorrow. He said it is going to be largely uh, caller-driven as opposed to guest-driven. And uh, so he wants you to be ready to go with your questions and your comments on anything and everything that's going on. So cursing out tomorrow. As for today... At 1010, uh, we dive right back into uh, the front lines uh, of the culture war. Dr. Everett Piper is going to be joining us, as he does each and every Thursday, and we got a host of issues for him to discuss as we continue to try to push back against uh, the unholy attempt to indoctrinate and um, groom our children into some very dangerous and deviant lifestyles. So we're going to talk Dr. Piper at 1010. Then uh, we're also going to talk today with uh, Jack Barsky. He's going to join us at the top of the 11 o'clock hour, and we're going to talk about the China threat. Did you know that our vice president, second most powerful person in the world, at least traditionally, does not believe China is an adversary or a threat? China unleashed the Wuhan virus on the world. China continues to threaten and menace one of the most important technological and therefore economic nations in the world. If you want to call Taiwan a sovereign nation, they continue to threaten them, which puts puts so much of our economy in peril. China continues to violate American airspace with spy balloons or spy crafts at least to our knowledge, China's sticking a finger in the eye of decrepit old Joe Biden, and he doesn't even notice it because he's busy licking an ice cream cone. And the vice president of the United States does not think that they're a threat. This is legitimate. Kamala Harris, despite all of the above, despite the CCP, their affront to our sovereignty, that Kamala Harris says that um, ah, China is just a respected challenger of the United States, but not a geopolitical threat. Her comments say uh, that uh, the U.S. seeks competition with China, not conflict or confrontation. I guess it doesn't matter what China seeks, because they seek conflict and confrontation. But our leadership in the White House doesn't have a clue. Jack Barsky is going to join us to talk about that and uh, what it all means going forward. That'll be at 1110 this morning. So that's what I've got on the docket for you. I've got uh, Dr. Everett Piper and I've got Jack Barsky. And if you notice, neither one of those things happened in the 9 o'clock hour, which means we are good to go right now. So uh, whatever it is that you want to say, this is the best time of the morning for you to say it at 216-901-0945 and 888-281-1110. Jim Jordan is doing exactly what he said he would do. At the head of the uh, Judiciary Committee, remember, that's why he didn't want to be Speaker. He wanted to head up Judiciary so he could hold accountable all of these individuals that have just completely uh, thumbed their nose at the Constitution, sticking uh, sticking it to conservatives, particularly in their free speech and the First Amendment, something I'm very, very, very dedicated to. That That's why I work with CFFS, Citizens for Free Speech. And... Um, 
Jim Jordan is is keeping true to his word. He has subpoenaed now to testify before the uh, Judiciary Committee the CEOs, the five biggest big tech heads, if you will, for their suppression of speech of conservatives primarily. Sundar Pichai, uh, the Google CEO, Tim Cook, the Apple CEO, uh, Mark Zuckerberg, the Facebook slash Meta CEO, Andy Jassy, the Amazon CEO, and Sata, uh, Sataya uh, Nadella, the Microsoft CEO, have all been subpoenaed, and they all must turn over records by March 23rd. A Microsoft spokesperson said that they have started producing documents that are engaged with the committee and committed to working, quote, in good faith. Yeah, right. When we said this before the midterm elections, one of the most crucial reasons we had to win back the House, and we thought we'd have a big wave. We didn't have a big wave. We have a very small margin of victory. But we said the most important thing was we're not going to get a lot of legislation done because there's going to be gridlock. But we can get oversight done. We can get accountability done. And Jim Jordan at the head of judiciary and James Comer at the head of uh, of uh, oversight are just the right people to lead that and to make that happen. And like I said, they are keeping true to their word. At the time, Republicans took the majority back in December after the uh, after the uh, midterms in November. Uh, Jim Jordan requested documents and communications from the executives related to big tech te- uh, censorship. They said they have evidence that big tech companies were colluding with the Biden administration to suppress free speech online. And now uh, we're going to get to the truth. They're going to put these people before the committees, and we are going to get to the truth. Uh, this is big. It's very, very important. Another big story this morning, Senator Rand Paul. I told you this at the end of yesterday's show. I'll tell it to the beginning of today's show because people listen at different times of the day. This is enormous. Senator Rand Paul, along with Representative Dan Bishop, both Republicans, introduced legislation that's so important. It's called COVID-19 Vaccine Non-Discrimination Act. You remember the young boy? And again, I apologize for the redundancy for those who heard the end of yesterday's show. Remember the young boy, the nine-year-old? We had his mom on the air last year. Uh, we, we talked uh, in depth about how and unconscionable it was for the Cleveland Clinic to deny a young boy who needed a kidney transplant the opportunity to get that life-saving organ transplant because the person donating the organ, which was a perfect match for him, his father, was not vaccinated. And by vaccinated, you know what we mean. Not given the uh, profit jab. Didn't take the poison dart. And because he didn't, they said he can't donate his presumed, disgusting, filthy, COVID-ridden kidney to his own son. They wouldn't do it. There was that story, and and apparently there are dozens and dozens and dozens of other stories just like it, where health facilities are refusing to give life-saving treatment to patients based on either their own jab status or the jab status of potential donors. Well, Rand Paul and Dan Bishop have introduced a bill that would make that absolutely illegal. It would outlaw... Well, it wouldn't make it illegal. Let me rephrase. I apologize. It would... um, Eliminate funding, federal funding, to any medical facility, including Cleveland Clinic, that refuses to give patients care based on their jab status. The Hippocratic Oath demands that doctors care for their patients without prejudice and abstain from any intentional wrong. Well, denying somebody a life-saving transplant is intentional wrong. That's doing harm. That puts the Hippocratic Oath through a paper shredder. 
And Rand Paul is on the case, and I just am very, very happy about that. I like Rand Paul a lot. I've, 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 I've got, I've gained a new appreciation for him. I think every year that has gone by, literally since he ran for president, uh, you know, he and I part ways a little bit on some foreign policy matters, but I like just about everything else about his libertarian viewpoint, uh, and he's right on this, and so is Dan Bishop, and I give uh, massive, massive props to that. So those are a couple of the big stories that I would like to talk about this morning, but here is the biggest one. I posted on my Facebook page, uh, yeah, on my Facebook page and on my Twitter feed. If you are a friend of mine on Facebook, you can see it there. If you follow me on Twitter at France Rants, F-R-A-N-T-Z-R-A-N-T-Z, France Rants, um, you can see the question. I've got stories this morning about wokeism and about transism and about indoctrinating and grooming children, which we have oftentimes because this is one of the this is one of the biggest, most defining issues of our time. It really is. Are we going to sacrifice the next generation, the young generation, today's toddlers and preschoolers and elementary schoolers and middle schoolers and high schoolers, this Gen Z group that we have right now, are we going to sacrifice them? for all time, on the altar of transgenderism? Because the school-to-scalpel pipeline is very, very dangerous. And indoctrinating kids with the belief that they can just wake up one day and say, Mom, I'm the other sex, I'm a boy or I'm a girl, and let's go! Head to the doctors, get the drugs going, get the hormone treatments going, schedule the surgeries. The idea that these little kids can do this is should be repugnant to all of us, but it's not. To far too many, it's gender-affirming care, including doctors, who also violate the Hippocratic Oath by doing harm, by cutting off healthy organs, by giving natural hormone uh, uh, blockers, let me rephrase, blockers to natural hormones that are, that are developing inside of kids in order to stop their natural, normal growth. That does harm. That does harm to the human body. These are not doctors. These are scientists, mad scientists, if you will, performing experiments on children. And between that, along with the other stuff that they're doing to kids with social-emotional learning, DEI or DIE, I like to call it diversity, inclusion, and equity, critical race theory, creating victims and oppressors in the minds of everybody based on what you look like. If you look one way, you're an oppressor. If you look another way, you are a victim forever. All of the crap that's going on in our schools is essentially going to lead us to sacrificing the next generation unless we do something about it. Now, I bring that up to bring up another point. We are in a very, very dire economic place right now, aren't we? Inflation continues to rage. We're paying far more money to fill up our tanks. We're paying far more money to fill up our shopping carts at the grocery store. We're paying far more money for our shoes and for our clothes. We're paying far more money for our used cars. We're paying far more money for parts for those cars if we're going to fix what we've got. We're paying more money for everything, and it's crippling to the middle class and to the lower middle class, not to mention, of course, those in a sad, impoverished class. So I asked a question on my Facebook and on my Twitter that I'm going to ask you right now, and I would like to know how you answer it, and you can answer it on the radio. 
If you could magic wand your way to something and have only one of these two things happen, only one, which one would you wave your magic wand and have happen? Number one, wiping out the wokeness that I just described from all American schools. Or two, have inflation drop back down to the 1.4% it was under Donald Trump. It remains over 6% now. It has hovered between 6 and 9% for the last 18 months of Bidenomics. And people are going broke. Which one of those two things would you do? I'm going to do my very best not to influence you. Would you erase the, wake, the wokeness from the schools, or would you wave that wand and drop the prices back down again so you can afford to live? Because at the end of the day, you know what that question really asks? It asks, are you willing to put your money where your mouth is? Right? In a way? It's kind of saying, are you willing to spend more of your money on everything that your life needs if it means something better and bigger for the big picture for the next generation of children and how they're taught and how they're raised? Or would you say, that's not my bag, that's not my problem, that's not something I can control, I've got to feed my own family right now, and the costs are too high, and I can't afford it the way it is right now? Which one of those would you would you choose? So that's what I'm looking for. And answer to that question at 216-901-0945, Would you drop the prices back down to Trump-era levels and let wokeness reign in the schools, or would you kill the wokeness in the schools and continue to pay the price? 216-901-0945, We'll take calls on that in this first hour. We've got a guest at 1010. It's Dr. Everett Piper. And before we take our first time out, I will now ask you to stand as the patriot that you are. Face your flag. Put your hand on your heart. And join us for our Pledge of Allegiance. If you agree with Kamala Harris that we don't have to confront the growing threat of China, well, you don't understand the threat that our liberty is facing. That flag represents liberty. You are therefore exempted from the request to stand and pledge your allegiance to it. You may instead take a knee next to your favorite ex-quarterback. For the rest of us, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice. Nine twenty-five, always right. Radio, absolutely right. Right back. Okay, it's nine twenty-nine. Just a moment or two before the uh, news. Uh, just where we started. I just started this, and it's overwhelming. People are willing to pay more. People, uh, this is just my Twitter response so far. People are willing to pay more. 91.9% say in that survey of magic wanding only one or the other away. Ending wokeness, 91% would choose that and then pay the extra prices, the higher prices. Only 8.1% say they would drop inflation and let wokeness continue to reign. I think it's a fascinating question. I would love to hear your rationale for why you vote the way you do. That's what I'm waiting for. 216-901-0945. I see you on hold. If you're there, stay there. If you're not on hold, get there, and we'll take your calls after the news on AM 1420, The Answer. 
the sleeping masses and stoking the fire of the American dream. Always Right Radio with Bob France and The Answer. Always right indeed. Appreciate you being with us. Maybe absolutely right. 938, uh, Dr. Everett Piper coming up at the top of the hour. So I finally... Uh, I'm able to tell you that our first episode has dropped now uh, on True Blue Daily. I've been telling you about this for a little bit now. We've had a lot of technical problems. We had to rework some things and retool some things. Some some elements of the show were not exactly ready yet. Uh, the framework is there now, and even though it's going to get better and better, the first one is good, and it has dropped. Uh, if you don't know what I'm talking about, I'm hosting a new television show on a streaming network. It's True Blue Daily, and uh, it's a factual streaming network primarily dedicated to true crime stories, law enforcement, policing, but also controversial political topics or social and cultural topics of the day as well. Um, the channel, the True Blue channel, features uh, uh, takedown with Chris Hansen. Chris Hansen has taken down bad guys, predators, like he's done for 20 years. He used to do it on NBC. Uh, they used to call that to catch a predator. On True Blue, it's takedown with Chris Hansen. Sheriff David Clark is about to launch a program called uh, Police in the Line of Fire, and he's going to break down actual, real video uh, situations of police involved in shootouts and involved in uses of force uh, frame by frame and tell you the truth about how these things shake out when you uh, have to make decisions in an eighth of a second as opposed to sitting there and watching it in slow motion on your TV. Um it's it's just a tremendous channel. It's a huge, huge growth channel as well, and it's cheap as hell. Uh, what are you paying for Netflix? We're on eighteen ninety nine a month. True Blue, uh, the True Blue uh, streaming network is four ninety nine, four ninety nine, and my show is now featured on it. It is uh, episode one was just dropped yesterday. Here is a very short clip from the commentary uh, of. Um, uh, True Blue today. Hold on a second. It doesn't seem to be loading just exactly right now. Uh, here it is. Here's a clip from uh, the commentary on yesterday's episode of True Blue today. And I'm not sure exactly why I'm glitching here, but I am glitching. Let me give it one more shot. Thank you, sir. The point today is to expose and understand that evil acts and criminal behaviors can come from just about anywhere. And it's wise for all of us to be aware of just where our kids are and what they're doing. In March of last year, one of the many perverts and pedophiles taken down by Chris Hansen and local law enforcement, after being caught trying to solicit underage kids for anonymous sexual encounters, which I don't even like to call sexual encounters, because when an adult tries to commit a sex act on a minor, it's called statutory rape. But one of these repugnant bastards was a special kind of sick twist. And that really means something, considering all of the deviant freaks that Chris has helped to take down through the online stings over the last 20 years. What makes this guy unique among the list of would-be child molesters we've seen through the years is actually threefold. First, the guy's occupation. Todd Baracco is supposed to be the most unlikely type of predator to be involved in this filth, because he's a guy who has taken the oath to protect and serve. That's right, he was a cop. A man who trolled for young kids online, seeking just the right type of vulnerable kid that he could make plans to carry out child rape with, actually wore a badge and carried a gun for multiple Michigan police departments, while pretending to be an upstanding agent of law and order. This is the kind of person we should be calling to help save our kids, 
when they get into dangerous situations and are targeted by dangerous predators, when we see them, rather than being one of the freaks himself, only God may know exactly how many times he may have used his position as a law enforcement officer to intimidate or deceive young victims into situations that he could use for his own perverted pleasure. Part two of Todd Baracco's twisted career involves his other profession as an educator. According to reports, he had been pursuing jobs in education since 2009, taking positions as a dean of students, assistant principal, and even principal of various schools throughout Michigan. Now, it shouldn't be difficult to figure out exactly what this scumbag's M.O. was. He liked to put himself in positions of authority where he would have easy access to children and teenagers, presumably so he'd be able to connect with them, groom them, and then possibly coerce them into the type of encounters he preferred. But despite those two disturbing details about this former police officer and educator, Todd Baracco, who struck a plea deal with prosecutors after being charged with using a computer to commit a crime, accosting a minor for immoral purposes, and child sexually abusive behavior, the circumstances in this case only get worse. Part three has nothing to do with this actual arrest for trying to solicit a 15-year-old boy for sexual activity in March of 2022, but rather it stems from what was discovered in the aftermath. Just weeks ago, Baracco was arrested yet again, this time for crimes committed on a far grander scale. After his arrest in the ghost sting, police investigators got a warrant to search his phone, where they discovered a cache of child pornography that's almost impossible to comprehend. Officers searching the phone's hard drive uncovered more than a quarter of a million images, along with over 9,000 videos of young boys between the ages of 3 and 12 being raped by other sadistic adults. So I'll stop it there. Um, That's what we're doing. Uh, That's what I'm doing on True Blue today. We're doing interviews with newsmakers, particularly in law enforcement, particularly in true crime. We'll talk to attorneys. We'll talk to directors of some of the true crime crime documentaries. Um, We'll have news and we'll have commentary on all of these things that are uh, that are that are important to all of us, I believe. So uh, that's my TV program. Subscribe to the True Blue app. Download the app. It's very easy. You can go to WatchTrueBlue.com, WatchTrueBlue.com from any browser. And subscribe there, or you can go to your uh, smartphone or your smart TV or your tablet or whatever and download the app. You can search for it. True Blue no, has no E's. It's just T-R-U-B-L-U, T-R-U-B-L-U, True Blue. And that's my new TV program. So there's a little taste of it right there, and I hope, you, uh, I hope you'll uh, subscribe. Okay, I want to go to the phones because I asked a very important question before the break, and that question is this. If you could magic wand away one of two things, number one is inflation. I'm going to reverse them here for the purpose of uh, fairness. Number one is inflation. Get it back down to the 1.4% it was when Donald Trump was president from the 6 to 9% that it's been under Joe Biden, costing all of us more for everything that we need to live on. Or magic wand away wokeness in, in America's public schools or just America's schools, period, DEI. Uh, CRT, SEL, CSE, you probably know all of these abbreviations by now. If we could get things, those things out of our schools, but we're going to have to pay more. We're going to live with this inflation for a long time. Which would you choose? Which would you get rid of? I'm curious to see your answers, to hear your answers. 216-901-0945. Jason is in Norton. He's up first. Jason, thanks for waiting. Go ahead. No, well, thank you very much, Bob, for having me a part of the show. I greatly appreciate it. And i got to absolutely agree 
with the 91% on Twitter that you got to eliminate the wokeness and the CRT. And I might add, bring back what, you know, us Gen Xers had growing up, you know, a, a pride of singing the national anthem early morning in kindergarten through 12th grade and saying the uh, Pledge of Allegiance. Jason, I concur uh, as far as, you know, that what we did, you know, Gen Z and the generations before us had all of those, or excuse me, Gen X and the generations before us had all of those things. And it's something that the millennials uh, kind of started to do away with, with that generation. And now, of course, Gen Z that follows them. I agree with you. Um, it's extremely important. But let me ask you this. What about the money? What about lower middle class families who don't want wokeness either, but they can't afford to fill their cart? And sometimes their kids are hungry during the week, and they say we can't get any more food until Saturday, until after payday. We we just don't have uh, we can't stock the pantry the way we used to. You're going to have to make do with that older pair of shoes because we can't afford new shoes now. Because there's a lot of people being pinched hard by six, seven, eight, nine percent inflation. You're right. Absolutely. You know, I'm one of those, um, uh, you know, middle to lower middle income families. And mm-hmm. I've got, you know, four kids and, and Lord knows I've been feeling it um, uh, since, you know, COVID when I lost my job, had to get out there and try to find something else to provide for my family. And uh, perhaps maybe it's just my background that I grew up with, you know, financial hardships. You know, God bless my mother who served as an airman uh, and medically retired from the Air Force, but she had many uh, medical complications and her strength to go through it all from having brain surgery and then, you know, suffering an early stroke in her 30s, which led me to having to receive, um, uh, you know, some hard knock life. And, uh, you know, that backbone makes you appreciate what you've got. And a lot of it, you know, even financially, when it gets hard, a lot of life is really a mindset. You know, I've had the pleasure of running, you know, half marathons and plenty of races. And in every race, you know, it's all about going the distance, you know, and when you see that there is much more benefit in the distance than on the short run, uh, I think any parent will be willing to, to sacrifice everything to make sure that their children and their grandchildren have a far better life. I think that's kind of what we as Gen Xers were grown up with, that kind of mentality, that kind of strength, you know, we, we, when we were pushed, we pushed back, you know, when the you know, hard times get tough, we get tougher. And, uh, you know, we managed to survive, you know, and Lord knows with today's, uh, you know, opportunities, you know, thanks to technology, you know, I, I, I myself had to pick up, you know, like little side gigs and little hustles to, to make the ends meet, you know, and I, I'm grateful to, you know, have a wife of 19 years, you know, almost to, to help me along the way, you know, but, uh, when you see that it's more beneficial in the long run, that we save our children. And I think for the most part, every parent will do whatever they can to save their children from harm. And Lord, I wonder, I wonder if we, and thank you. you, Great explanation. I appreciate that. And I appreciate your phone call too. Thank you very much, Jason. I wonder if we altered the choice a little bit because I didn't put a parameter on the inflation. I didn't give you like a, an end date. You know what I mean? It's like, is, is inflation going to be around for another six months? The inflation you're talking about going to be another two years? What if I say it's, it's, it's indefinite? What if I say that the inflation that we're currently dealing with, six to eight to seven, six to seven to eight to nine percent, what if, um, what if that's the way it's going to be from now on? Permanently. Your prices you're paying now are the prices you're going to continue to pay, and they're going to increase because inflation, uh, continues to increase. 
would you be willing to pay more to to erase the wokeness indoctrination from the kids in the schools? What if we make it indefinite? Does that change your vote? Two one six nine zero one zero nine four five triple eight two eight one eleven ten. David in uh, Chagrin Falls. Hi, David. Thanks for waiting. Go ahead, sir. Hey, mega dittos, Bob. Uh, first off, so uh, thanks for all you do. I for sure, take the wokeness um, to get that out of the schools. I know for my family, we we were struggling financially, and we took our kids out, homeschooled our kids, sent them to Christian private schools. My big hope is that with our Republican you know, leadership here in our state, we do like Arizona, do like Florida. We give kids, families, school choice so we can try to avoid the wokeness. But for sure, get the wokeness out of the schools. But I will tell you, I'm an upper income, and my heart bleeds and goes out to those families who are struggling because it's real. And they're going through real pain. We're going through real pain. And, And one thing that's tough, too, I learned this from the Wall Street Journal and stuff. Is like, hey, we're experiencing 6% inflation now on top of the last year, January, 6%, 7% inflation. So really, it's more like 13%, etc. from January 2021 when President Biden started his horrible economy. So, That's a great um, point. And, and you know what else is that that inflation metric isn't doesn't include energy. That's just that's talking about retail. Uh, we're talking about retail costs when we talk about the 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 uh, the increase increased cost of the consumer price index. It doesn't include energy. So the gas price is being you know th- what are we three fifty three fifty five or something like that national average today. Uh, of course, it reached yep. a peak of five dollars a gallon back when Trump was president. It was two thirty nine the day he left on inauguration day twenty twenty one, and. Um, so that doesn't even count that part. If it, the inflation I'm talking about continues and the energy costs continue to put so much more of our paychecks into our gas tanks, um, that's another that's another angle here that we have it's to painful. consider. Yeah, it really it's is. Middle, yeah. mid, middle-income so, families are struggling big time. Bob, I hope you can get school choice in Ohio. <laughs> that's my request to you. So we can defeat well, wokeness. Well, let's, you know, I, I asked a question out. about a magic wand. If I had a magic wand, <laughs> I would make that happen. I really would. But I will tell you, there are a lot of very, very good people working toward that. And I and I talk to them off the air, too, on a regular basis. I'm actually kind of doing what I can to, to promote uh, and, and push um, uh, school choice at the legislative level and also just at um, – you know, the independent level, if you will, you know, the classical academies like the Northeast Ohio Classical Academy that's going to be built. These are these are uh, public charter schools that are free. They're free and they're classical and the wokeness will not be a part of it. And since they'll be free, you won't need any, uh, you know, any grants or vouchers or anything else to take your kid from a regular public school and put them into one of these public uh, uh, charter uh, classical academies in which the wokeness will be gone. So we're taking this. You know, it's a multi-headed approach, if you will, um, to make sure that kids have options for schools. Number one has to be school choice and the expansion of vouchers and those kinds of things. But in the absence of that, there are good schools that are being built that are not built on wokeness, and kids will have an opportunity to go to for free. And uh, I'll continue to make people aware of those as uh, you know as they as they develop. So, good call, my friend. Thank you. Appreciate it. It's nine fifty-three. Uh, right back on Always Right Radio. 956 onward, taking answers to a kind of a interesting poll question. 
If you could magic wand away wokeness from our schools or inflation from our economy, thereby helping you be able to feed your family, clothe your family, house your family, transport your family more easily, which one would you, uh, which one would you do? Uh, let's go to Chagrin Falls. Jack, you're on AM 1420, The Answer. Thank you, Jack. Go ahead, sir. Good morning, Bob. How are you? I'm great. Thank you. Good. You know, the thing is, um, it, wokeness and inflation are connected. And, you know, inflation is actually a fairly simple thing. It ultimately is too many dollars chasing too few goods. But, um, and, and we've had that with this explosion of, uh, you know, what do we have? Is it $30 trillion in debt or something now? I mean, it, you know. 32, uh, I think. Ago, it was, is it? Yeah, it was yeah. like 16 or 17. But um, if we got rid of the wokeness, um, we would be able to rationally talk about issues, um, you know, of, of like inflation, like economics, and those kinds of things. But wokeness is sort of like this magical fairy dust that lets people say nonsense. And for some reason, other people believe it. And, uh, you know, then, you know, you get away with, uh, you know, pretending. I mean, you get away with, like, destroying the energy industry and destroying, you know, competitive economics and, yeah, and those kinds of things, which also affects inflation. Again, ultimately, it's a monetary thing. But um, getting rid of wokeness will help correct inflation. So inflation won't be permanent uh, if we have you know, rational economic leadership like we had in the last administration, you know, getting rid of, uh, you know, uh, two regulations for everyone. It was 20 regulations for everyone, getting rid of the impediments right. that the government puts on economic efficiency. So the wokeness is, 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 a, is a symptom of the core of we're being governed by magical fairy dust now as opposed to anything rational or connected to reality. And Jack, I think you did a really good job. I think, you, yeah, I think you did a really good job of explaining it. You kind, thanks for the call. You kind of went into choice C or three, uh, a combination of the above, uh, which is a little bit of cheating. But I think if you had to pick one, you would say get rid of the wokeness because the inflation will take care of itself when you do. So I get that. Uh, Derek in Richfield next. Hi, Derek. Go ahead. Hey, morning, Bob. Thank you. Yes, sir. Um, so yeah, I feel it, it, it would be much more important to. Take away the wokeness, the indoctrination out of public schools, um, because if I, I mean I don't see what, what what future is there. What country would we have if we're not educating another generation of liberty-minded young Americans to love the country, not to hate it? Well, that's a that's a really good point. Um, that's a very great point, as a matter of fact, because to, today's younger generation is being taught to hate the country. They really are. It, it's irredeemably racist. Uh, it is racist in its founding. It's racist in its in its systemic uh, properties today. Uh, it is oppressive, uh, and so on and so forth. You're exactly right, and that leads to a lot of the. Uh, and, I'll t- and thanks for the call. That leads to another issue as we talk about how do we how does inflation happen among other things. Obviously, economic policy set forth by the. Uh, uh, by the administration and by the Congress, uh, Federal Reserve with rates and so on and so forth have massive impacts on that as well, the amount of money they're going to print. But the other way is, um, is our economy humming along with a, with a, an adequate number of workers providing services and providing uh, 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 producing products that are affordable for people? Well, guess what? It ties in together. 
the wokeness of the young generation makes them think they don't have to work. It's one of the reasons why we have a worker shortage. It's one of the reasons why you have to wait for an hour to get a table, because and, and the tables aren't all full at a restaurant. It's just that they don't have staff to wait on you. The younger generation doesn't want to work, and that's part of the indoctrination that they've been receiving in these schools, the wokeness. So it's a great call, another great call. I'm glad we're having this discussion. We're going to take a time out from it now, though, so we can get newscast, a newscast, and then Dr. Everett Piper joins us. Culture Wars, heating up. That's next on AM 1420, The Answer. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. Right Radio with Bob Franz on AM 1420. The answer. Hour number two is underway now. Nine minutes past 10 o'clock on Absolutely Right. I'm trying to decide if I like that. <laughs> I tripped over it at the start of the show. It's always Right Radio on AM 1420. The answer, but I greeted everybody with an Absolutely Right. And now I'm wondering if we have the wrong name for the show. Absolutely Right with Bob Franz. What do you think? I don't know. There's not a huge difference, but there's just something um, forceful about absolute, absolutely, and absoluteness, and absolution, too, I suppose. Uh, all right, we uh, continue on this Thursday. It's the 16th morning of the second month, year of our Lord, 2023. Let's bring in Dr. Everett Piper without any more ado, because um, we've got a lot of work to do today. Dr. Piper, uh, we normally you know, talk to Dr. Piper with three subjects in mind. He and I will get together and we'll uh, share ideas on topics, and usually we come up with three that we can talk about in our allotted time. But today we've got like five or six, and I don't know if we can do them all. So, Dr. Everett Piper, welcome. Uh, good to have you back, as always. A noted author, best-selling author, columnist for the Washington Times, um, podcast uh, radio host called The Rebellion, and, of course, a county commissioner in Oklahoma. Good to have you back, sir. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm on the road on the way to Tulsa. I've pulled, pulled over. I think I've got good reception, so let's let's go at it today. So far, so good. Yeah, you sound nice and clear, so that's great. Uh, okay, Dr. Piper, let's start with your column, as we always do. Um, and I'm going to pick two lines out of it that I loved the best that I think really kind of underscore point that you're trying to make. And uh, you're optimistic, by the way, this week in your column because you're starting to see some positive things coming from our media. Number one, Truth isn't determined by majority vote. I love that line. It's very similar to one that I like to use, which is science is not settled by consensus. In other words, you could have a 1,000 scientists telling you 1,000 out of 1,000 that gravity isn't real, uh, and their consensus doesn't make it so. Um, truth isn't determined by minority majority vote. And then you also uh, uh, talked about, where's my other line uh, that I like the most here? Well, no, no, I can't find it. It's too long. Uh, but, but, but you do go on to talk about, uh, some of the hordes, um, you know, that have kind of overrun the individuals who are trying to be heard. Uh, they are starting to see the light that maybe, just maybe, there is a point that is being made by the minority that is not part of that majority vote. So let's let, let you take it from there. Well, let, let me just respond to your opening comment. Uh, what you said about maybe changing the tagline to your show and that you're absolutely right. Um, <laughs> I like it. It, it, it. That's exactly what I'm dealing with in this particular article. 
you know, sometimes I write about things for the Washington Times um, that really caught fire and went viral, so to speak, in my social media world the preceding week. And what I did last week is I posted a very simple meme. I don't know who created it. It's a graphic of a crowd, tens of thousands of people standing shoulder to shoulder in block formation. And there's one solitary individual standing outside of the group who's turning around and he says, yes, you are all wrong. That's it. That's all this meme uh, uh, show is a crowd of individuals standing in block formation, and one lone soul stands out with the courage to say, yes, you are all wrong. And that engendered thousands of comments when I posted that. Now, I added to that my opinion that it appears that those of us who have stood against jabs and stood against masks are being exonerated by some of the news that's coming out of even the BBC and CNN and the Washington Post. And I cited examples of what is actually hitting the mainstream news now. Whereas yesterday we were canceled and we were censored into silence. We were shamed for daring to raise our hand and say, wait a second, I want to talk about this more. It's possible that the masses are wrong. It's possible that the consensus is going in the wrong direction. Is it possible that groupthink is in play here? Are we committing the fallacy of ad populum, which is the classic fallacy of assuming that something's true just because everybody says it's true? Well, Oz Guinness says in his great little book titled A Time for Truth, he has a great quote. I've used it over and over again, probably even on your show in the past. The quote is this, truth is true even if no one believes it, and falsehood is false even if everyone believes it. Truth is true, and that's just the end of it. And what's the moral of that particular quote, the moral of this meme, the moral of my article this week? Mm-hmm. It's that truth isn't determined by vim or vigor or vote. Truth isn't determined by the masses. Truth is true even if no one believes it. And whether or not, um, like, I like your example, if everybody denies gravity, that doesn't mean that if we all go stand on the cliff and jump off that we're going to be able to prove that gravity, gravity was false. Gravity is a reality. You can't deny it just because the masses want to follow the Pied Piper over the cliffs. Uh, Lemmings want to follow one another over to their death. No, truth is determined by the objective reality, the facts around us. Like Ben Shapiro says, the facts don't care about your opinions or your feelings. The facts don't care about your feelings. So my article suggests that when you hear CNN questioning masks and vaccines, when you see the BBC featuring a doctor who's saying there is an unusual uptick in cardiovascular disease since we started jabbing everybody. We need to slow this train down. When you see the Washington Post featuring articles that call into question things that the masses have been claiming are real, but now they're recognizing that maybe the little boy standing on the side of the parade who was watching the emperor watch by naked as a jaybird, maybe the little boy was right all along, even though he stood alone while everybody else was drinking the Kool-Aid and imbibing the lie. So there is hope at the end of the day. I really believe in the biblical worldview that at the end of days, truth will win. Christ said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but by me. Truth wins at the end of the argument. It may take a while. But we will win because truth is true, even if no one believes it. Falsehood is false, even if everyone believes it. Truth isn't determined by majority vote. 
Uh, I'm so glad you did that, and I'm also about glad, by the way, you did read the uh, the the other line I was looking for when I lost it. The uh, fallacy of ad populum has proved itself more alive and well than many dared possible believe, and that's what we have been seeing over the course of the last several years. So the idea that we are starting to embrace some semblance of reality uh, is is of course welcome news indeed. So I'm glad we got that. Now I want to move on. And what I'm going to do, because I said we had three or four topics, I'm going to combine three of them into one and let you respond to these, Dr. Piper. Uh, The first one uh, is uh, a New York Post article from uh, two days ago. Science needs to stop using terms like male, female, mother, and father, researchers say. And this is a group of researchers from the United States and Canada, the Ecology and Evolutionary Biology Language Project. Um... And they are saying that rather than male and female and mother and father, there should be sperm producers and egg producers, egg donors and sperm donors. I'm not making this up. Uh, so we'll, we'll tie this one in with story number two. The medical professionals that we are going to be trusting to save our lives as we age and to save our lives as we, uh, of course, endure uh, illness, sickness, disease, and so on and so forth, um, for example, those at the University of Columbia or Columbia University in New York, if you will, uh, they were videotaped taking their Hippocratic Oath, but it was not the traditional Hippocratic Oath. They took their own oath. They wrote their own oath, and it was an oath, essentially, to wokeness. They are, as medical professionals, going to work to, quote, confront unconscious prejudices. They said they will... Uh, their Hippocratic Oath better reflects the values that they, the doctors of the future, wish to uphold as they enter their medical training. Their new Hippocratic Oath includes the lines, We enter the profession of medicine with appreciation for the opportunity to build on the scientific and humanistic achievements of the past. We also recognize the acts and systems of oppression affected in the name of medicine. We take this oath of service to begin building a future grounded in truth, restoration, and equity, to fulfill medicine's capacity to liberate. I promise to self-reflect diligently and confront unconscious prejudices and develop the skills, knowledge, and character necessary to engender an inclusive, equitable field of medicine. I'll stop there. Uh, And then the third one I'm going to lump in here for you, Dr. Piper. This one is from the government. Our new senator, J.D. Vance from Ohio, uh, was speaking with an FAA commissioner named Billy Nolan and confronting them over inclusive language guidance, asking him, did the FAA issue a 176-page guidance document changing the notices to airmen to notices of air mission in December of 2021? Answer, we did. And this was to avoid using the gendered term airmen, correct, he asked. Answer, yes, sir. Uh, okay, during the summit, which had solicitation published in the F, a Federal Register, Deputy Administrator Mims stated that when we use terms like airmen or unmanned aircraft, Vance said as he began to chuckle, I'm sorry, I'm laughing because this has to be a joke. We're sending a message that only men belong in aerospace community by referring to unmanned aircraft. Uh, yes, we are trying to find inclusive ways to reach underrepresented groups, the commissioner said. That's a lot. Those are three mouthfuls, uh, Dr. Piper. Take your time. Don't worry about our break. Take your time, because I think we can really speak to all of this insanity as one. But go ahead. Well, the first thing that comes to mind when I listen to this stuff and I chuckle and I laugh is how ridiculous it is and how insulting it is to not only your intellect, but to your dignity as a human being. You're, you're going to call a, a male 
uh, a sperm producing uh, individual. I mean, you're dumbing down the human being to a machine or an animal. Uh, you're certainly not elevating the dignity of the human being by degrading the definition of individuals to their biological production or their function. Uh, I mean, this, this is insulting to men. It's insulting to women. It's insulting to everybody. The human being becomes nothing but meat, nothing but an animal. I've said on your show before, we are the Imago Dei. We're made in the image of God. We're not the Imago dog. We're not the image of the animal. That's what, make, that's what makes humanity unique and distinct. We have the thumbprint of God's identity on our heart, mind, and soul. And these people are worshiping at the altar of wokeism. I've called it holy wokeism, where they're, honor, where they're worshiping themselves. That, that oath that they recited at, was it, what, it wasn't Cornell. What was it? What was the university? Columbia. That Columbia. oath that they yes. recited at Columbia, they, they actually bowed their heads at the end of this woke oath. Well, who were they bowing to? Who were they praying to? They were praying to themselves. They were praying to the narcissistic God that they see in the mirror. Because all of us, at the end of the argument, are going to have to elevate something to the, to the ultimate standard of what we think is right and wrong. And these people think they're the ultimate standard, because there has to be a God, and if they killed the real God in their mind and in their soul, they're going to elevate a fake one, and it's going to be the one that they worship most every day when they get up in the morning, and it's what they see in the mirror. That's the frightening part about all of this stuff. The laughable part about it is we will win, because this is such a joke. J.D. Vance is right. This is laughable. This is insane. It makes no sense. It's all tied together by the quote from Oz Guinness that I cited in the first uh, segment of the show, and that is, falsehood is false, even if everyone believes it. You can, you can call yourself a cow till the cow comes, till the cows come home, but that doesn't make you a cow. You can call yourself a dog. You can claim you're, you're nothing but a sperm producing biological mass, but you're a human being. And the, the language that we use that has been grounded in, in, in the millennia of human debate and human conversation is grounded in the reality that we're created by God and not by the biological soup of Radical Darwinism, and I could go on, we could do two or three shows on the consequences of embracing radical Darwinism three and four, five and six decades ago, and those chickens are coming home to roost right now because we're defining ourselves as nothing but an amoeba, a mass, a virus. We have no right to exist above and beyond the, cor- the coronavirus if we go down the path of these idiots that are defining ourselves defining themselves as being nothing but a biological mass, like a virus. You produce something, the virus produces something. What makes one thing morally significant and better than the other? Nothing other than power and politics. This is where we are. But the lunacy will collapse because it cannot continue. It's laughable. So I do think truth will win. And, you know, I, I think um, I think you would. You have to surrender your belief in God or a belief in a deity of any kind or creator or some some sort of divine guidance if you actually believe these things and, and reduce them, as you say, to just uh, uh, to just flesh and uh, and machines. I completely concur. We'll take our time out here, Dr. Piper. And then on the other side, you can tell us what's going on at a very small college called Asbury and how it is spreading around the country. We'll talk about that next day in 1420 The Answer.
you're hearing right now is absolutely beautiful. What you're hearing right now is massive gymnasium or auditorium. Can't quite tell the venue. Um, on the campus of Asbury University, a small Christian college in Kentucky, and thousands of students gathered together singing and praising in what is being called the Asbury Revival. Um, and it is now and has been going on uh, for well over a week. What I just played to you was a video that was uploaded on Tuesday. This is now Thursday, and the revival has been continuing, and it is growing as students from schools around the country uh, are descending upon Asbury University in Wilmore, Kentucky, to be a part of this, and others picking it up on their campuses. Dr. Piper, um, I was not aware of this until you informed me of this. Um, Your thoughts, sir? Well, it's gone viral. They've even been featured on Tucker Carlson this past week. Um, it started on February 8th during a scheduled chapel service. Asbury still has three required chapel services per week for the students that attend there. Uh, full disclosure here, I know Asbury very well. It's in my circle, my church tradition. I was actually offered the presidency of Asbury University uh, back in the day, turned it down to stay at Oklahoma Wesleyan University. So um, I, I do understand Asbury's theological tradition very well. It's of the holiness tradition, uh, the conservative Nazarene, Wesleyan, the conservative Methodist, um, the Salvation Army. That would be Asbury. Now, they had a revival back in 1970 that spread across the nation. People talk about it to this day, and folks are very excited to see this happening again. Now, I think there's a good side, and there's also a reason for us to ask good questions. I do not want to quench the fire of the Holy Spirit by saying this is not real. Who am I to say that? Um, I do think that the parable of Jesus, where he talks about the, the wheat and the tares, he, he says that when you plant your wheat, and if a neighbor or an enemy steals into your field in the middle of the night and plants weeds called tares, he says don't go out and tear the whole thing up or destroy the whole thing to try to find the weeds, because you'll get rid of the good stuff, too. You'll get rid of the wheat. He said, let the harvester take care of that after the, the stuff matures. Let the harvester glean the, the weeds from the wheat and keep the good and, and discard the bad. And I think we need to look at this particular event in similar fashion. I know that there are woke people out there that are part of this revival, and there is an LGBTQIA guy out there quoting about how the church is being more affirming and being more loving and how the Asbury revival is a demonstration of that. I don't think we should disparage the whole revival because you've got this one woke LGBTQIA kid out there tweeting and posting this stuff. But I do think, like Alyssa Childers says on her podcast, be discerning, uh, ask good questions, test all things, and embrace the good. Celebrate it. Celebrate that some kids are being drawn closer to the Lord in a biblical worldview. They're embracing the Bible more than than they did yesterday. But when you see evidence of somebody that is not in line with biblical truth. Um, challenge that. Don't be hesitant to raise your hand and say, somebody needs to speak against that. And at the end of the day, folks, revival should be tefi- defined by repentance and confession and conversion more than emotionalism. So it, wheat, yes, we've got some wheat growing. Bl- thank you. We're, we're grateful for that. If there are tares in the field, then recognize it, but let the harvester take care of the tares at the end of days. Don't tear the whole thing up and throw it out. 
Dr. Everett Piper uh, explaining it as well as anybody possibly could. It's a remarkable thing that has happened there at Asbury and that is continuing to happen, and I hope people do approach it with the exact uh, uh, mindset that Dr. Piper just articulated. Doctor, always a pleasure. Thank you, sir. Get back on the roadway. We appreciate you uh, stopping off for the conversation. We'll talk to you next week. Blessings, us. All right, there's Dr. Everett Piper joining us. 1030, we'll take our news time out here. We'll come right back. Um, you want to talk about this? I'll tell you what, I'm, I'm incredibly inspired by this. How many times do we say on this program and in many of our other social circles about what is ailing this country and we need a massive reinfusion of God into our lives and into our culture? Well, what, what is more of an infusion than this? And the fact that it's among our young people, even if they are at predominantly Christian colleges where this is spreading, well, who better to lead the way than Christians? No one. This is a very uplifting moment, I believe, and I hope it's one that continues. Uh, 1031 News Time, right back after this. Life. Liberty and the pursuit of happiness. Always right radio with Bob France on the answer. Okay, 1038. Appreciate you being with us. Good conversation with Dr. Everett Piper. Uh, and I want to follow up on a couple of those things in this segment. I also want to go back to the phones when you're ready at 216-901-0945. I asked a question at the top of the show today, and I want to uh, uh, bring it back now and follow up on it. And that question was this. If you had a magic wand and could wave it once and make one of two things happen, which would you do? If you could make wokeness, which I define as the imposition and the indoctrination of young kids. Let me say that more clearly. The indoctrination of our school children with the imposition of CRT, critical race theory, SEL, social, social emotional learning, CSE, comprehensive sex education, and gender theory, and DEI, or DIE as I like to call it, diversity, inclusion, and equity. If you could wipe that out of all of our schools, that's option one, or option two, cut the inflation rate down to the 1.4% it was when Donald Trump left office and keep it there permanently. I've added a little caveat to that because I was just saying, knock it down. And immediately people's responses online and some on the air have been, uh, well, clearly I would get rid of the wokeness because inflation is, you know, it, it, uh, it fluctuates. It's fluid. It's going to go up. It's going to go down. So even if we don't knock it down now, it'll go down eventually and everything will be okay. So what I'm saying in a magic wand scenario is that it's not fluctuating, and it's not something that's fluid. It's not something that's going to go up or down. It's permanently going to stay at 1.4%. So you can fill that grocery cart back up with your regular paycheck without needing a raise. You can buy your kids the clothes they need for school. You can buy the new car or the new used car that you wanted. You can uh, get the parts to fix the one that you have. You can afford life's necessities and its, its pleasantries because inflation is going to stabilize at 1.4%. It won't go up. Which one do you choose? It's all magic. It's like, you know, none of these things are possible. 
And sadly, I mean that. It's not possible for inflation to never budge again. And it's also not possible for us to have a magic wand. And it's also not not possible, I don't think, for us to completely remove wokeness from our public and all of our schools. I don't think it's all any of it's possible. But I guess what I'm trying to figure out is where is where are your priorities? I'm trying to figure out how dedicated you are to one or the other. You understand? Where we, I'll include myself in this, where are we and where are our priorities? Are we as conservative-minded individuals willing to put our money where our mouth is? We're always talking about the danger of a country led by wokeness. Well, guess what? Your kids, and maybe if you're older, your grandkids, and maybe if you're much older, your great-grandkids, are being raised and are being educated on wokeness, on all of the things that I just read uh, said to you on CRT, SEL, and all the rest. They are. And they are going to be the leaders of this country at some point in the in the not-too-distant future. So, the reality is, our country is, is in grave danger economically and from a cultural-slash-societal uh, standpoint. Are you willing to put your money where your mouth is and pay more for the goods and services through the inflation that we're seeing, for example, under the Biden administration, if it means saving the kids from the indoctrination that we're talking about, or are you saying, look, I've got to make ends meet. I've got an electric bill that's A. I've got a water bill that's B. I've got a heating bill that's C. I've got a gas bill that's D. Uh, I've got a tax bill that's E. I've got groceries that cost me F. I've got, uh, you know, my car payments and my insurance payments and my, you know, all, all of the things that are in your monthly budget. And, oh, by the way, that's before a nickel of, quote, unquote, disposable entertainment dollars or travel dollars. And I can't make them stretch any further. If inflation continues to ravage us, you know, it doesn't matter what happens inside the schools. I'm not able to meet all my payments. I'm either going to let my insurance lapse or I'm going to let my uh, electric bill go unpaid. We're going to be in the dark for a while or something is going to have to give. So figure out your priorities and tell me, magic wand holder, which one do you make happen? Wokeness eliminated from our schools or inflation remaining at 1.4% and not going up again. When I say remaining, of course, it would have to be reduced down to that. That's where it was when Trump left office. Then it rose to 3%. Then it rose to 4.5%. Then it rose to 5 and 6.5%. Then it rose to 7 and 8%. Then it rose and peaked uh, at over 9%. 9.1, 9.2 it was. Now it's steadily going down, but it's still five, six times higher than it was when Trump left office. It's still around uh, 6.5%, almost 7 And it's hurting Americans. So you can either stabilize that down at 1%, or you can get rid of wokeness. Which one do you do? 216-901-0945. Do you prioritize your cash flow and your ability to stretch your dollars, or do you prioritize what's happening in our schools to our kids and how that impacts us long term? Chuck is in Cleveland next. Hey, Chuck, thanks for uh, joining us on AM 1420. The answer, fire away, sir. Hi, Bob. Uh, my question to you is, would you rather have your kids be Nazi racist or would you rather starve to death? Isn't that like the Holocaust? 
And my other question is, isn't France a German name? How could you even ask that question? Thank you. I don't know what you just asked, Chuck. I didn't follow your your statement or your question one iota. What are you, what are you saying? Oh, Chuck's gone. Okay. I, I don't know exactly what he just said. Not one bit. Did he say something about your children being Nazi racists? I, where did that come from? In what way is Nazism, Nazism or racism or anything else that we're talking about right now, or I'm sorry, what did he said related to what we're talking about right now? I didn't get that at all. As, and he said he was calling to answer the magic wand question? I don't understand what that meant at all. Yes, by the way, France is a German name, by the way. Um, and I, I, I can't say that I am German, however, because I was adopted, but that is my name. <laughs> And and millions and millions and millions of proud Germans uh, would, uh, you know, would certainly say they're happy to say so. Uh, I hope you're not suggesting what I think you're suggesting by that. I don't really know exactly what that bizarre statement was about, but I hope you're not suggesting that in any, in any way, shape, or form that being German is related or associated with Nazism. Because millions and millions of Germans were left helpless by the actions of the select few that were the Nazis. FYI. They had nothing to do with, as you pointed out, the Holocaust. So that was just a very, very bizarre phone call. Two one six nine zero one zero nine four five and triple eight two eight one eleven ten. Either one of those numbers will get you to us. I want the magic wand question answered. I don't want bizarre ramblings of people who have no uh, concept of what they're talking about. Let's go to Tanya. I know she'll fit the bill. The former, not the latter. Tanya, good morning. Uh, magic wand time. What are we doing? Are we getting rid of wokeism or are we getting rid of the inflation? We're getting rid of the wokeism. Okay. We're always getting, because, you know, one, I'm supposed to be a good steward of what God has given me. And those are my kids. Mm -hmm. And if I have to live with inflation, that's my patriotic duty to live with inflation. If I can bring up, have the next generation be able to understand the freedom and also understand what it's like to, you know, what they have something to live for. You know, it's like the cross. I'm not giving up sin. I'm not going to hell. I'm going to eternity. And whatever it costs me to get there, I'm willing to pay the price. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to sell my soul to this wolf. I'm not going to sell it for anything. I'm going to fight. I'm going to go down fighting. This is that. This is, we're at the last line. It's not political anymore. It is about life or death. If our kids stay on this track, they will have no identity because they're going to take it. We're talking about money now. Eventually, they're going to make them bow down and say, do you believe there's a God? And if they don't, they'll kill them. They're going to die anyway. So, no, I'm all about Whatever I have, whatever price I have to pay to get wokeness out, and how long I have to pay that price, I'm willing to pay it. People have um, died. I'm going to ask you. I'm going to ask you a personal question. You can choose to answer it or not, or how you answer it. But where are you on the income spectrum? Would you call yourself lower, lower middle, middle, upper middle, or wealthy? Middle. Okay. Middle. Uh, but I'm about if ready you to were retire. lower. If you were lower on that scale, if you were, you know, paycheck to paycheck, and sometimes the paycheck doesn't actually meet what it needs to meet, and I got to hold some over for the next one, 
I've got to juggle. I've got to okay. alternate which bills I'm going to be late on and so forth. If you were down in that lower range, would you feel the same way? Yes, I was that bad. In 1970s, I was there when we had inflation at this rate, paycheck to paycheck. And I would have done, I, I decided not to take welfare because I did not want to have them owning me. No choice. I know, I know who I am. Well, and I, I have, and I, I will have, reach uh... down and I will reach down and help people right now that are trying to figure out how to get their kids out of the public school system so they don't have to be, your their children not to, not to be indoctrinated. And you know what? They're figuring it out, Bob. As long as they have someone to encourage them, they're figuring it out. Well, Tony, I'll tell you know- something. I have, I have great respect for your answer, and especially when I rephrased the question and, and, and repositioned you on the income scale. Because what I'm seeing, and thank you for the call, Tony, as always, what I'm seeing in response to this, and let me pull up uh, Facebook again right quick, and uh, let me pull up my Twitter again right quick and kind of get an idea ballpark of where we are in this poll that I threw up there at the moment. Um, it was, at last time I looked, it was overwhelming, and it still is. There it is. We're at 90% say they would end wokeness. Only 9.8% say they would uh, drop uh, the inflation and keep it at 1.4% in order to help their their families' bottom lines. Um, that's the reason I asked Tanya, you know, a little bit of a different question, because she's in that massive majority saying I would end wokeness. That's the most important thing. And I feel like I want to be more fair to people who don't have a lot of money right now. The ones who are suffering from inflation much, much more, if you are upper middle or middle even, you know, you're, you're being hurt. There's a bite being taken out of your paycheck. And, and, and again, your, your cart that you used to be able to fill up in the Trump years for X amount of dollars is now three quarters full or half full. And your kids have to be just a little bit more judicious about what they eat and when they eat because there isn't any extra money. Sorry, we're not able to do the, um, fast food run. Uh, this week, maybe next week, we got to see where we are. You understand my point? I'm trying to get to people who are, and I'm not saying at the poverty level where you're enjoying EBT cards, and a lot of people, sadly, uh, prefer that style of life, getting the EBT cards and the government's paying for all my stuff. But if you are paying for your own way and you're in that lower middle class you know, tier that we're talking about, not little, I hate the phrase middle class. It makes it sound like it's you're a certain type of person. Lower middle income is what I mean to say. If you're in that in that range, I want to give you know all due consideration to your circumstances. I've been in them. I have eaten enough government cheese in my life to know. When I was a child growing up in a very, very poor family, I know what that welfare cheese or government cheese tastes like. And to be truthful, I loved it. It was so good anytime mom would go come home with a big giant brick of that uh sliced American government cheese. That was that made the best grilled cheese sandwiches I've ever eaten to this day. But my point being, I know what I'm talking about and I've been in that situation more as a child than as an adult, but you understand my point? It's easy to say for some, oh, get rid of the wokeness. You know, we can always stretch the dollars. We can always find a way to make a little bit more money, take a second job, blah, 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 blah. 
I just want to be very careful to say, look, there are a lot of people that wish they could and they can't, and they can't get a second job or they already are working a second job and they're still in the lower middle income range and they can't afford life as it's being, you know, as it's costing us right now. Um, I'm just trying to give them a little bit of a fair shake here. Because right now it's overwhelming. The numbers are 90%. Nine out of 10 people are saying, uh, get rid of wokeness. I want to just be fair to those who are, um, in a position that maybe others are not. They can't quite understand exactly what it looks like when they sit down at the end of every month or the beginning of the month and they write their rent check or their mortgage check and their car payment and their car insurance and the, uh, you know, uh, factoring in the, 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 uh, grocery money for the month. Factoring in the uh, electric bill, the gas bill, you know, and so on, the water bill, and so on and so forth, and they're suddenly they have a zero at the bottom of the ledger, and they still have more bills. Now, what do I do? I think those folks might be justified in saying, "We've got to, we've got to fix our inflation situation. We need more money, or we need things to cost less than the money we have, um, and that's more important to me than the wokeness." So that's the reason for the hypothetical. 216-901-0945-888-281-1110. Right back. Okay, 1057. Uh, thanks for being with us, uh, and thanks to Scott Wilder again. You just heard him talking about the uh, the importance of uh, of saving babies' lives by way of the ultrasound. We're going to keep that banner up there for the rest of the month at uh, whkradio.com uh, for obviously all the right reasons. Thanks to Scott and everybody at Preborn. It's so big, 85% plus of babies, or excuse me, of mothers that see their babies by way of ultrasound choose to have their babies, uh, even if the circumstances in their life might have had them aiming toward abortion as their alternative um, prior to it. They see that and their hearts soften and their eyes widen and they recognize that what they have in their body is a baby uh, and not just some sort of a quote-unquote medical condition in, in need of quote-unquote health care which would be the destruction of that life, and it's just so big. We're keeping that, um, keeping that banner up there, and the reason why we're keeping it, keeping it up there, by the way, is I really need you to help me. We've, uh, we've had enormous success. We do two, two days a year. Two days a year we have a pre-born day, which I have Scott actually co-hosting with me, and you've heard them, in which we try to get you to give $28 for one baby uh, and one baby to be saved by, by way of that ultrasound. Uh, or um, to save five babies. And um, we do that where Scott co-hosts with me just twice a year, and we have a goal that's set um, for the amount of money to be raised to save these babies. And every year that we've done it, every twice a year that we've done it since I've been here, we've smashed that goal. This year we're a little short. Maybe it's because of inflation. Maybe it's because there are a lot of other causes. I don't know. But right now we're a little short of that goal. And uh, that's unacceptable to me. It's unacceptable, I think, to you. And I need you to help me get over that hump. So please, go to the webpage, whkradio.com. Click on the pre-born banner that says, Ultrasounds Save Babies. And uh, and please donate. We have to hit that mark by the end of this month. And I really, really need you. Don't wait. Don't wait until the end of the month. Do it now. Go to uh, whkradio.com and click on that pre-born banner. we got to hit that goal and save babies. This is such an important time right now. We have the Bringing America Back to Life conference coming up in about two weeks. I'll be emceeing that. Uh, once again, on behalf of Cleveland Right to Life, 
Um, this is just such an important time, so please join us. Uh, time out for news. It's 11 o'clock. Right back. Maybe talking to Jack Barsky. Maybe talking to you. 216-901-0945. Get in line now on Always Right Radio, AM 1420. This hour of Always Right Radio is brought to you by The Floor King and Keeping Medicare Simple. You and I know and do not believe that life is so dear and peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery. If nothing in life is worth dying for, when did this begin? Just in the face of this enemy? Or should Moses have told the children of Israel to live in slavery under the pharaohs? Should Christ have refused the cross? Should the patriots at Concord Bridge have thrown down their guns and refused to fire the shot heard round the world? The martyrs of history were not fools. And our honored dead who gave their lives to stop the advance of the Nazis didn't die in vain. Where then is the road to peace? Well, it's a simple answer after all. You and I have the courage to say to our enemies, there is a price we will not pay. There is a point beyond which they must not advance. This is Always Right Radio with Bob Frantz on AM 1420, The Answer. Yes, indeed. Ten minutes after 11 o'clock means hour number three is underway. On Always Right Radio, AM 1420, The Answer. It's uh, the 16th morning of the second month in the year of our Lord, 2023. Talk to Dr. Everett Piper back in hour number two. If you missed it, you can hear it on the podcast page, which is at whkradio.com. It'll be there sometime after the show, probably about one o'clock or so. Speaking of podcasts, by the way, um, last night we had a good one. I I, I got to tell you, I don't know how many uh, how much more of my voice you can stand because I'm doing radio, I'm doing podcasting, and I'm doing television now all over the place. Three podcasts a week, uh, five radio shows a week, and that's when I'm not filling in for the national hosts and now uh, television programs as well. Uh, but I'm bringing you good content, I think, anyway. If you did not hear in the uh, first hour, I told everybody uh, that my new show has finally launched uh, on True Blue, on the True Blue Factual Streaming Network. If you, um, if you watch streaming television or if you watch just streaming apps on your smartphone or on your tablet or your computer or what have you, I want you to go to watchtrueblue.com. True Blue is not spelled with any E's. It's T-R-U-B-L-U, all right? True Blue, watchtrueblue.com. And you'll find uh, my new program, which is called True Blue Today. The first episode just dropped yesterday. Uh, it is uh, the whole factual streaming network is dedicated to true crime and newsworthy issues and sometimes controversial issues. We have Chris Hansen doing takedowns of predators. We have Dr. or excuse me, Sheriff David Clark uh, taking us through police shootouts. And we have me hosting a program called True Blue Daily, or excuse me, True Blue Today. Uh, in which we interview some of the newsmakers. We have commentary on some of these uh, policing issues, law enforcement issues, uh, latest information. We pay tribute to fallen heroes and much, much more. I'm very proud of it. Our first episode just launched yesterday. So if you would like to see it, subscribe, please, to uh, True Blue. It costs four ninety nine a month. You go and buy yourself a cup of coffee at any coffee place. You're going to spend four ninety nine if you if it's a gourmet place. Um, and uh, that'll get you an entire month, four ninety nine a month. And by the way, if you subscribe for a year at a time, you can save fifteen percent. Buy all twelve months and save fifteen percent by using the code France Year. France Year. 
all right, because that's your one-year subscription, and save 15% off of that. Uh, so I'm very proud of that uh, TV show that we have launched. I played a clip of it in the first hour. But last night, it was another uh, endeavor, uh, as uh, we had our latest episode of Talking Smack with Bob and Jack, and that's the podcast I, ho- I host with Jack Windsor. And last night, we had a special guest on. We had Vivek Ramaswamy. Vivek Ramaswamy is the CEO of Woke, Inc. He is uh, an entrepreneur and an author. His book is called Woke, Inc., and he's kicking around the idea of running for president. And I got to tell you, I love him. He's a very, very smart guy. Harvard biology grad, Yale Law School grad, uh, now an author and a reporter and a commentator and a political pundit and maybe even a political candidate. Now, uh, it would be an uphill task, to say the very least, for him to run for president in the Republican primary, especially against Somebody like Donald Trump, who is, for all intents and purposes, while he's not the current president, he's kind of like the incumbent in the race, at least on the Republican side, because, you know, it was his and it was stolen from him. So he's kind of like, for for a lot of people, a lot of Republican voters, the incumbent president or the incumbent nominee at the very least. And I asked Vivek Ramaswamy last night on Talking Smack with Bob and Jack how he's going to approach the question of Donald Trump. All right, Vivek, uh, now the toughest question you're going to get. Okay. I'm assuming if you decide to run for president, it's going to be as a Republican. That's going yes. crazy. That's just my assumption. And if that's the case, that means you're going to be running against a guy who is the former president of the United States, who is an extraordinarily popular yet polarizing figure. So if you're going to run against Donald Trump, you have to describe Donald Trump. You have to tell everybody how you feel about Donald Trump and why you should be the guy instead of Donald Trump. So fire away so look i wouldn't be running against him i'd be running for this nation and and i'm gonna be really honest about this there's probably no way i would even think about the i even have the thought occur to me to do this if he hadn't done what he did in 2015 and 2016 when he burst onto the scene as an outsider with a commitment to disrupt a an ossified government industrial complex back in 2015 i give him a lot of credit for that He's also a president who recognized that China was the single greatest external threat that we needed to wake up to, abandoning this bipartisan consensus for decades before that, saying that, you know what, we could export Big Macs and Happy Meals, and somehow that was going to spread democracy to places like China. Actually, they used that game in reverse. So I give him a lot of credit. I just think that, you know, you know from a you know, book of Ecclesiastes perspective, there's a time and place for everything. And I think that the time and place was right for what he brought to this country back in 2015, identifying the problem with clear eyes, and that he did. I think it's going to be up to the people of this country to decide where we go from here. I have a clear vision. For me, this isn't a question about who. And you want to take the the core tenets of the MAGA movement, the core tenets of America First. These are big ideas. These are not small ideas. These are big ideas. They're so big that they don't belong to one man or woman. Okay, they're bigger than any of us. They're bigger than me. They're bigger than Donald Trump. They're bigger than Nikki Haley. They're bigger than Ron DeSantis. These ideas, nobody has a monopoly on these ideas. Okay, We're servants to an idea and a broader cause. And then the only question is, how are we actually going to realize that vision? And that's not... So I I followed up with uh, Vivek last night on that podcast. By the way, if you are not checking out our podcast uh, that, that Jack and I do, we do it twice a week or at least we try to, uh, follow that and uh, download it wherever you get your podcasts, whether it's Spotify or Apple Podcasts or iHeart Podcasts or whatever podcasts, uh, but it's um, it's very easily obtained. I asked Vivek, though, I said, you know, the reality is 
It should be what he just described. The America First movement and the MAGA movement should not be about one man, President Trump. It should be about all of us. But in reality, for a lot of Donald Trump supporters, it is about one man. That we can't have MAGA without Trump. We can't have America first without Trump because he started it. He invented it. He developed it. It was his, it was his uh, uh, you know, drive that made it happen. And there's some truth to that. But I think it can be picked up and run with and advanced by somebody else. It should be the way Vivek says. But I don't think it's going to be for a lot of Trump supporters. I think a lot of people are going to say, if we don't have Trump, then we don't have MAGA. If we don't have Trump, then we don't have any any American first. And we're not going to just let somebody else run on his ideas and support somebody else co-opting and stealing what Trump built. And so that's what Vivek doesn't understand. And he also doesn't understand that if President Trump starts to feel any threat from anybody, um, you better believe you're going to have to run against him because he's sure as hell going to run against you. You just heard Vivek when I said you're going to have to define Donald Trump and why you're better than him. And he said, I don't have to run against Trump. I'm running for America. Well, he hasn't nicknamed Vivek yet. And that's what I said to him. He hasn't nicknamed him yet. Like Little Marco and Lion Ted and Ron DeSanctimonious. Uh, what else? Uh, uh, low energy Jeb. He hasn't targeted him yet because he doesn't know him yet. He doesn't think of him as a threat. If Vivek starts to show up in polls at four, five, six, seven, eight, nine percent, if he started to show up in a crowded field, you better believe Donald Trump will have his attention on him, and he will indeed begin to attack him and insult him because it's what that's how he does politics. So it's very interesting. I give him credit. I don't think he has much of a snowball's chance, quite quite frankly, but I don't know if anybody has a snowball's chance against President Trump in the Republican primary. I don't know if anybody does, including Ron DeSantis. Even though I love Ron DeSantis, I don't know about the chance. And Vivek, being a political novice, or at least in terms of never having run before, being a neophyte, uh, that makes that challenge even that much much you know uh, more 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 difficult. Dan is in North Olmstead. Hey, Dan, thanks for waiting. You're on AM 1420, The Answer. Good morning. Hi, thank you for taking my call. Um, my pleasure. I, I think that wokeness results in, in creating a, a bizarro world where uh, that bizarro version of JFK would have said, ask not what you can do for your country, but what your country can do for you. And, and that creates what we have with this out-of-control government spending which is what leads to all this inflation. If we can get back to what JFK really said, uh, we can get government spending back under control, and then you know, the, the wokeness, getting rid of the wokeness, will take care of all of that. Do you think there is an appetite on either side of the political spectrum, though, to get spending under control? Because I had a guest on, uh, oh, it was... Um, it was uh, former Trump advisor um, uh, Steve. Uh, who did we have on last week uh, or two weeks ago during the during the uh, uh, State of the Union? Steve Moore, Stephen Moore. Thank you. I don't know why I just blanked on him, but we were talking about it. He was an economic advisor to the president. We were talking to him and other analysts about um, spending, and and our debt did grow by an enormous amount under Donald Trump when he was there. Um, 
we didn't we didn't express any sort of fiscal responsibility at all when he was in office. We certainly are not, uh, uh, you know, expressing it during Donald or during uh, Joe Biden's uh, term so far. Certainly, eight years of Barack Obama spending. I mean, really, it kind of crosses over both parties. I don't know if there's an appetite or if it's an urgency for anybody to to cut our spending and to and to get our and to get our debt and our deficits under control. Sad to say. Well, if people start to say or think more like, what can I do for my country instead of what can I get from some government program, they'll elect those kind of people to represent them in the House, and they'll have budgets that will uh, be more responsible. And, and, and yes, I think that, that uh, there, there would eventually be an appetite for getting spending under control because it absolutely has to happen. If we get to the point where we can't even pay the interest on our debts, the whole house of cards will just collapse. Well, I think you're right. I do. Uh, and I thank you for the call, my friend. Um, and I also think you're right when you talk about, you know, if people ask themselves, uh, what can I do for my country in the Kennedy manner? Um, it will require them loving the country. Why would you want to do something for someone or some? I'm sorry. Why would you want to do something positive for something you don't like, something that you hate, something you despise? You know what I mean? These kids are being taught, particularly through the CRT element of the uh, indoctrination we speak of, the wokeness in the schools, to hate the country. The, the country was founded by racists. The country was led by racists, by Washington and Jefferson, slave owners who, who founded the country. Slave owners wrote the, con- the Constitution. Clearly, they were evil people. Uh, and, of course, this is the modern-day woke version of American history in which everything is judged through the lens of the past. Uh, or, I'm sorry, judged through the lens of the present and trying to apply modern-day standards to the past as if everything that they do today should have been common sense for everybody to do in yesteryear. Um, and so because they're being taught that the country was founded in an evil way, that they're being taught that the country is irredeemably racist and was built on that, the kids don't love the country. Why do you think they don't say the pledge on a regular basis in the schools? Why do you think people started kneeling for the anthem? Why do you think this movement to blame the country for all of uh, you know uh, modern day microaggressions and triggers? You know why do you think this is happening? They don't want people to, particularly young people, children, to feel a sense of indebtedness to the country because they're too privileged in their own right to know it. You know what I mean by that? Not white privilege, American privilege. You're privileged because you were born here. I'm privileged because I was born here. There are millions upon millions of people in countries around the world, in probably 190 of them, who would love to abandon the nations they're in and come to the United States and live the American dream. They wish they were here, but they can't. They can't be, well, I guess they can through the the southern border, but I mean, from a legal standpoint, they can't. We're privileged enough to have it, and so therefore we don't have any respect for it. We didn't have to live through hell in a hellhole country, or a blank hole, as Trump once called some of them, we didn't we didn't live through those to be able to appreciate the glory that there is in the United States. 
We've just lived in this privilege forever, so we don't have any appreciation for it. At least young people are being taught to not have an appreciation for it. So that's a long way of saying, I like your message, but asking people to say, what can I do for my country rather than what my country can do for me is a tall order when they're being taught to hate the country. It's more, what can I do in spite of this evil country that I was born into? 1124, right back. Okay, 1128, Always Right Radio on AM 1420, The Answer. I'm going to uh, go back to something I was discussing earlier in the program with Dr. Piper about this, uh, the insanity of this, uh, uh, this LGBTQ movement and this trans movement and this microaggression movement and so on and so forth. About all, It's all about um, uh, marginalized groups and identity politics and so on and so forth. J.D. Vance is getting a small taste of it, by the way. J.D. Vance is getting a small taste of it yesterday. I brought this up um, with Dr. Piper, too. He was talking to an FAA commissioner, the Federal Aviation Commissioner, Billy Nolan, over the inclusive language guidance now being used at the FAA. They've replaced airmen uh, with terms like aviator and cockpit with flight deck. Apparently <laughs> because of inclusive language. Um, they, they changed notices of airmen to notices of air mission. And he asked him, he said, is this just because of gendered terminology? And the answer was, yes, sir. Uh, he said, on November 10th of 2021, the FAA had an inclusive language summit. Are you familiar with this effort? And Nolan said, I am. He said, you had uh, a solicitation published stating that when you use terms like airmen or unmanned aircraft, J.D. Vance said, as he began to laugh, he said, I'm sorry I'm laughing because this has to be a joke. We're sending a message that only men belong in the aerospace community. Do you agree with that? Nolan said the language change is a good thing uh, to do, but that nothing will detract from the safety of the airspace. In other words, uh, what they're trying to say is that if they change the language, it will include, it will be, make the, uh, 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 the uh, aerospace community more inclusive and that it will draw more people with lower qualifications to be a part of that community. In other words, language and and inclusiveness and DEI slash DIE are more important than aerospace safety. That's the reality of this. I'm going to play something for you that's going to attack this and really make some sense out of this, particularly as it pertains to the LGBTQ trans agenda and changing language and changing names and changing pronouns and more. I'm going to explain that, and I'm going to play something for you that will blow you out of the water. That's coming up on Always Right Radio, AM 1420, The Answer. This hour of Always Right Radio is brought to you by Keeping Medicare Simple and The Floor King. Onward. So I want to give this to you because I've been uh, sitting on it for a couple of days ever since I first heard it. Um, we, we've been talking in in depth about you know the trans movement and what it's doing uh, to kids and what it's doing. It's part of the reason for, this, uh, for the uh, poll question I had this morning about... Uh, the magic wand and removing wokeness from schools because it's targeting children. Uh, we told you earlier this week about the whistleblower 
who came forward from uh, St. Louis, Missouri, a, a queer woman, uh, Jamie Reed, who says she is queer and she is to the left of Bernie Sanders. So she is in no way, shape, or form conservative. But she had been working in a trans-affirming clinic in St. Louis, St. Louis Children's Hospital, the transgender center there, and she has seen the light and knows what she is doing is devastating to kids, absolutely devastating. And it's leading to a lot of very, very serious ramifications, including a high suicide rate among those who transition and then realize what a giant mistake it was. Um, That whistleblower has brought forth new investigations by Senator Josh Hawley of Missouri. He is sponsoring the new Hawley bill um, called Protecting Our Kids from Child Abuse Act, which is going to investigate this pediatric gender clinic in St. Louis and others. Christy Nome, the governor of South Dakota, this is all going somewhere, trust me. Christy Nome, the governor of South Dakota, signed a bill Monday banning gender-affirming treatments for minors. These should be common-sense things. They're kids. They're minors. We don't let minors make drastic life- and body-altering decisions because they're too young in their preformative years to know what the hell they're doing, right? It's why we don't let them vote. It's why don't let we, we don't let them uh, get tattoos without parental approval, which, of course, is uh, permanently altering the body. But they want to give them the right at 9, 10, 11, 12, 13 years old to start hormone blockers and then schedule surgeries and so forth. It's just so much insanity. Well, Matt Walsh is a uh, contributor and writer and host with The Daily Wire, and he is also uh, was also um, a witness called to testify before a congressional committee last week in which he was grilled by Democrats on the, uh, on the panel um, about his beliefs and about his statements about the dangers of these, this trans movement on kids. And what they tried to say is that not giving gender-affirming care to a confused, um, dysphoric trans kid leads them to kill themselves, leads them to uh, commit suicide at a higher rate. Matt Walsh came into that committee hearing with facts and was ready for that question. And this is two minutes and 30 seconds that you need to hear and you need to share with anybody any leftist or anybody telling you that gender-affirming care is the right thing to do for a semi-confused kid, get them on hormone blockers, get them scheduled for surgeries, let them become a new identity, and so forth, um, you need to let them know these facts. Listen. Well, the claim that uh, you know, doing the chemical castration drugs or surgery or hormonal intervention, the claim that this prevents suicide or uh, has uh, positive psychological effects down the line is utterly, totally baseless. Um, there are no credible long-term studies that bear that out. And one of the reasons for that is that there couldn't possibly be any credible long-term studies because we've never done this to kids on this scale ever before in history. So this current, uh, shall we say, crop of children, they are the guinea pigs. This is, this is all experimental. We're sort of trying it out on them to see if it works. Um, now, they have attempted a few times to do studies, and the interesting thing is that the World Professional Association of Transgender Health, WPATH, which is a radical far-left pro-trans organization, they commissioned a study to try to prove that, um, that hormones and puberty blockers uh, uh, decrease suicide rates among uh, trans, uh, trans-identified youth, and even in their own study, they found that they couldn't, they, couldn't, they couldn't prove it, they couldn't make that link, because it's just not possible to do. The other thing I would mention, too, is that you know, the, the, the number of trans-identified youth has 
skyrocketed in recent years. We're talking about exponential 10x, 20x growth. Just huge numbers have, 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 uh, have increased. And what we hear from the pro-trans side is that, uh, well, this is not a social contagion. It's just that, you know, there's always been this many trans people. It's just that they were not in an affirming uh, environment before in history, and so they couldn't come out. And now, for the first time, trans people uh, have have the ability to live their truth, so to speak. Well, if that's the case, and there have always been these sort of like millions of trans people, and if it's also true that if we don't affirm them, that it would cause them to commit suicide, then we should be able to look back in history and find just this unbroken, incredible epidemic of children mysteriously killing themselves because they weren't being affirmed as trans. And what you find is that that didn't exist. I mean, the, the, the youth suicide rate has increased exponentially alongside trans affirmation. So trans affirmation causes the suicide rate, not the other way around. Last thing I'll note is that um, the suicide rate among trans-identified people is, is sky high. It remains sky high. All the data shows this. It remains sky high even after surgery. And in fact, in the most reliable data that we have, it's uh, years after surgery when suicidality is the highest for trans-identified people. That's the reality. Professor, you're good? Okay. Any? The Democrats on the panel in that uh, congressional hearing were stunned into silence. When you, when you face the facts and, and the reality comes forth, they have nothing to say. There's nothing to say. The no, that was a pro-trans organization that ran that study that he, that he cited. A pro-trans organization found that more uh, trans kids kill themselves or commit suicide or at least have considered committing suicide after they have been given this hormone therapy and or after they have had uh, surgeries. And especially years later when they come to regret and come to realize as adults with formative brains and not preformative brains, but adults who have already uh, you know, uh, figured this out, that the adults in their lives when they were children failed them. The adults, when they were they were they were confused, and when they were uh, maybe kind of wrapped up in the social contagion, maybe it's like a bunch of my friends are doing the trans thing, a bunch of my friends are doing the new pronoun thing, a bunch of people online that I like are doing this thing. I want to do that thing too, rather than adults saying, "Yeah, knock that crap off," because that's not reality, and bringing them back from the confusion and the you know and the trendiness and the you know social peer pressure that young kids go through rather than parents and doctors and teachers and guidance counselors telling them yeah this is a phase you'll pass they encourage them into this lifestyle and into these permanent life altering decisions with medicine that harms not really medicine uh, these drugs and then of course these surgeries it's the parents and the adults in their lives that failed them. People that they will never forgive. That's what's leading to this. That's all we've got for today. I'm out tomorrow, out of town, out of state. As a matter of fact, Peter Curse and I will be in. Make sure you treat him well. Make plenty of phone calls to him. Have a great weekend. I'll see you Monday. Bye-bye. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.